Over the last few weeks, we've been exploring what's new. What's new? Seen this slide a few times, uh, I wonder. Has, how many times have you seen it? Put your fingers up. 3, 10, 15, 20. It's, it's been a few times. What's new? But this is the last week we're going to talk about what's new. We're going to move on to something new <laughs> next week. But this is the last week on what's new. But what's beautiful about what's new is the newness that Jesus brings. The newness that Jesus brings to our lives. Our God is a God who will make all things new. And at the start of this new year, which is now rolling along very quickly, amazingly, we're almost getting to the end of January, there are still new things in store for us, new things needed in our lives. And with the new, perhaps there is something that must be left behind. With the new, perhaps there's something that must be left behind. Last week, Marianne encouraged us to come and see, to come and see Jesus, for in Jesus we can be made new. In Jesus we can be made new. And this is the good news, the good news of the gospel. Yay! If you weren't awake, good morning. The good news of the gospel, it is wonderful, fantastic, joyous, good news. Jesus came for you and for me. So we could be saved, we could be forgiven, we could be reconciled to God. Brought back to the one who loves us and made us. There is forgiveness available to all who come through Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't bandy around with this issue at all. He said in our reading today, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus had come near. Repent, big strong word, and believe in the good news. Believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the good news. I've said before when preaching that uh, people can get very scared of the word repent. It sounds like a very scary, ominous kind of word. And perhaps it conjures up images for us of fire and brimstone preachers from years gone by who yelled more than preached and uh, used warnings from Scripture that didn't always convey the gospel clearly. It might have meant well, but didn't always convey the gospel clearly. And perhaps condemnation and fear at times came into the mix. But repentance is not a scary word. It's not a scary word. Repentance is about changing one's mind and then changing one's direction. Changing one's mind to change one's direction. And the Greek word used in this passage and many times throughout the New Testament is metanoao. Can you say it with me? Metanoao. Metanoao. Repent. It may be daunting to change one's mind, but it can also be liberating, life-changing, habit-breaking, and freedom-bringing. This is what repentance does. The classic definition for repentance is to literally do a U-turn. Turn around, back, and go the other way. Stop doing the wrong thing and turn away to something better. And often that something better is something new, coincidentally. And for us as Christians, 
well, as human beings, when we turn back to the beginning, all we find is God. When we actually turn back, He's the beginning of all things, and we find Him there. Now, I was listening to a podcast uh, recently. Anyone like podcasts in the room? You listen to podcasts? It's a good thing to do. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, it, I find it really relaxing to listen to a podcast. I was listening to one recently, and uh, they were discussing what psychologists call illusion bias. Illusion bias. I wonder if you've heard of that term. As human beings, we find it very easy to see the bias or the negatives in others. We feel that we can objectively analyze the facts. We can look at somebody else and we can see their bias. Um, but research has shown that we can rarely see or will admit our own bias or the negative inside of ourselves. Rarely see or admit it without help. We like to think we're not biased. We like to think we're objective, rational people. But the truth is we're not. And we often need help to see what is wrong. Repentance, therefore, is about accepting and confronting hard truths. Sometimes hard truths about ourselves. But we need the help of God to do this. Introspection alone won't do it. Just make ourselves feel guilty and bad about everything. Terrible person I am. And that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture does not teach us to get down and depressed about who we are. It teaches us to rise to new life in Christ, to live victoriously in Jesus. The good news we see is in Jesus. We need to repent to believe this good news. It's only then that newness and new life can come to us. And I'd like to ask a fairly pointed question that you can answer. I wonder when you last repented. It may have been a long time ago. It might have been this morning when you cut somebody off in traffic. It might have been yesterday. It might need to be today. The Gospels and Jesus himself make it very clear that this is not optional to being a follower of Jesus. It is, in fact, the first step to being a follower of Jesus and a continual step to being a follower of Jesus. And that's why repentance isn't a scary thing, because it's just a part of following Jesus Christ. God, have mercy on me, a sinner, said the tax collector who stood afar off in a story that Jesus told about repentance. His tax collector said, God, have mercy. And Jesus compared him to a Pharisee who stood close and said, look at all the good works that I've done and how amazing a person I am, and talked himself up. Jesus went on to say that those who humble themselves will be exalted, and those that exalt themselves will be humbled. Recognizing our need for a savior and our own inadequacy and sinfulness forges the way forward into new life with God. It forges the way forward into what's new, what can be new for us. It is the beginning and continuation of becoming all that God has called us to be in this life while we walk this earth. We need to be repentant in our relationship with God. To go on the journey of faith, this is a part 
a huge part. We see that life and faith is truly a journey and we are becoming what we are not yet. And we see this really clearly in the next few verses of Scripture that we read this morning as Jesus calls his first disciples to follow him. And I actually love the ESV translation here, which we didn't read this morning. We read the NRSV, but I love the ESV because it takes the literal writing and throws in another word that is, is actually pretty important. It says, Jesus said to them, the fishermen, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men. The added word is become. Become. And it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. As I say that, a number of you might be thinking about a Pantene Pro V ad from the 90s. It's about shampoo. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. It's the same with our walk with God and repentance. It's part of the continual process. Regardless, the key here is that we don't actually do repentance alone. We are not alone in doing this. It is not a lonely place. Repentance is done with and through the Trinity, with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father, through Jesus Christ. It is not lonely to repent. It might be hard, but it's not lonely. It's a part of our walk of faith. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all fishermen. Anyone here fish? Nope. Yes, one. I got good. Go one. Yeah, go get a couple. Good. Fisherman, good. You can identify with these disciples then, I'm sure. It's your full-time job. We see in this passage, in the Gospel of Mark, an opportunity to follow Jesus. And something that is a little bit surprising, maybe the first time, if you've ever read this passage, is that things happen immediately, without hesitation, the disciples, they dropped their nets. This job that they had obviously been doing to survive and work, they dropped their nets and immediately left their living and just followed Jesus. It seems a little bit odd. Immediately is said a number of times throughout Mark. And it's a common theme in the Gospel of Mark. Mark is the Gospel of immediacy. Things happen like that. And I don't think this is by accident at all. I really believe that Mark meant this for a reason. He wanted to show what the immediate impact is of encountering Jesus Christ. And I believe this ties in with repentance. The immediate impact that can occur when we come to Jesus Christ and repent of our sins. There can be immediate change in our lives change in desire, change in focus, change in direction. Newness can come. I want to say that Jesus can change your life now. He might have already changed your life. But right now, today, he can change your life. Whether in the room, online, watching this later on because it's recorded, Jesus can change your life right now if you come to him in repentance. We need to recognize that we need Jesus. We need to recognize our brokenness and turn to God and repent. Now, an interesting little side note um, of this passage in Mark uh, is that there is actually some parallels about fishermen uh, in Jeremiah chapter 16. So Mark 1 to Jeremiah 16, it's jumping back a bit, but it could be a bit of a surprise that in Jeremiah 16, Jeremiah talks about fishermen being used to restore God's kingdom. Fishermen 
being used to restore God's kingdom. That fishermen would be workers in bringing people back to worship and encouraging them to stay away from idols and worshipping other gods. And I think, I dare to suggest, it seems likely that Peter, Andrew, James and John, who were all fishermen, might have noted in their scriptures that they had grown up reading as fishermen that this was something that could possibly happen. God might use fishermen. They are mentioned directly as having a role to play. So perhaps they knew this when Jesus said, come, follow me. They knew that it was good news for them. That Jesus had come. The liberation was coming. Something that they had awaited, they had hoped for and expectation had arrived. And I wonder... I wonder what you are hoping for and expecting this year. Hopefully good news. I think we're all hoping for good news this year. But in what you're hoping for, does it include God working in and through you powerfully? Does it include God working in you to see change, repentance in those around you, in your friends, in your family? I want to encourage you to hope and expect that that can happen, that God can use you powerfully in your world. And as we come to a close today, I'm very conscious that I've talked a bit about repentance, just a little. I don't want to shy away from that because I think it's crucial to healthy Christian faith, Christian living. It's crucial. Not to get down on ourselves, but to realize that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. The good news for us, for our lives, and for the year ahead, is that we have a God who cares and loves us and wants our best. God wants your best. He wants the best for your life. He really does. There is peace, mercy, and forgiveness as we follow Jesus. And we don't need to live in fear or live legalistically, but we do need to be faithful. We do need to, at times, repent. Grace is available to us. As I finish, and as we finish this series on what's new, I want us to consider what it means to be made new by Jesus. Made new. For the steps we take to be made new. And to continue to become, continue to become, just as the fishermen were called to be fishers of men, that we might continue to become all that we are called to be in our lives, in our family, our workplaces, schools, universities, and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen.